Hey, good morning. How are you guys? How are you guys? Come on. Um, today we're going to have a conversation, and I want us to, like Pastor Marianne said, like, if you don't need to go out, if you don't, don't go out. Like, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to ask you that favor, please, um, as we, as we start uh, with the word today. So let me just pray right quick. I just feel the need to pray uh, before we get started. And um, I would need your undivided and glorious attention today as we get through what the Lord has to say to us. Father, we're grateful. It's an honor to serve you. Um, it's an honor to be in your house. We don't take this freedom for granted. Um, so many believers around the world don't have this freedom that we have. And sometimes we may take that for granted because we have options. But there's brothers and sisters all over the world without them. And um, today I, I give you thanks and give you honor for the freedom to worship you publicly, for the freedom that I have to proclaim Jesus as my Savior, uh, to, to preach it, to say it, and uh, to have a place where we could come and honor you and worship you. It's not, it's not the norm everywhere around the world, but we get to do that here. So I pray, Father, for that freedom, and I pray that that's something that, uh, that this country always allows us to do. Father, which is worship you publicly and freely. Father, I thank you for this word that's going to come forth. Father, I pray that uh, the same way you did uh, in the Spanish service, such a powerful way that you moved in our midst, I believe that you're still here, you're still working, and you still want to speak to us. It's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen. So for those, for those of you that know me and know how I preach and my preaching style, you guys know that I don't like to preach from one verse, right? I like to give you a lot of verses, and the reason, be, the reason for that is because I believe in context. Everyone say context. context. Why? Because unless you have the entire context, it is easy for you to judge, right? Like, for example, saying this morning that if you're watching the movie, uh, uh, watching a movie, and you tune in halfway through the movie, and someone shot someone, you're like, oh, man, he's so horrible. Why? But you don't have the entire context to emit an opinion, right? So the same way you come into someone's life or you meet someone, and you're like, oh, why is she so fat? Oh, and why she got three kids? Oh, why is she divorced? You're judging with poor context, Right? So context, this is, this is one of my the, uh, themes of life. Context is king. Context is king. You need to know people's context before you, you make an opinion or, or you pass judgment on the situation. And I believe that many times, us as believers, we miss the context. For example, if you read the scripture and you read Philippians 4.13, which is one of the big verses in the Bible, it says, I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. But if you don't read 
the entire chapter of Philippians, you will miss out why Paul is saying what he's saying. He's not speaking from a place of strength. Actually, he's speaking from weakness. He's saying, I can do all things through Christ. I can do all these things through Christ after a series of events of things that happened to him. So I usually preach, I say all that to say, that I usually preach out of many verses. But today, I'm going to preach out of only one verse. And the reason I'm going to do that is not because I'm going to be short. The reason I'm going to do that because I believe that this verse has everything we need to know for today. And I believe that we're going to walk out of this place different today. You believe that? Say amen. amen. I believe that this word is what I like to call a word that's on time and in time. That it's one of those words that God sends you right when you're like gasping for air. Like, Lord, I, I need something. And the Lord just deposits that word that that changes your destiny and changes your season. So I want us to go to the book of 1 Samuel, chapter 16, verse 1. If you're familiar with myself and with my wife, we are fans of the Old Testament. And the reason I love the Old Testament is because everything is in the Old Testament. There's gossip, there's betrayal, there's wars. I mean, if you like movies, or into movies and all kinds of genres of movies, listen, the Old Testament can beat Netflix any day of the week, twice on Sundays. Trust me. You just have to dive into the Word with the Holy Spirit. And, and the revelation that comes from the Old, like I love 1st, 2nd Samuel, 1st, 2nd Kings, like you get so much. And what, what's beautiful about the Word of God is that it doesn't contradict itself, that everything that God speaks to in the Old Testament, it's fulfilled through Jesus in the New Testament. And this is what it says. The Lord said to Samuel, how long will you mourn? Other translations say, how long will you cry? Other translations say, how long will you weep? How long will you mourn for Saul? Since I have rejected him as king over Israel. Fill your horn with oil and be on your way. I am sending you to Jesse of Bethlehem. Bethlehem. Anyone knows someone born in Bethlehem? Jesus? <laughs> I have chosen one of his sons to be his king. And for a few minutes, I want to tag a title to this text. And this is the title of my message. You got to move on from Saul. Tell your neighbor, you got to move on. Yeah, come on. Uh, say it like you mean it. You got to move on from Saul. Maybe believe Saul's next. I got to move on from you, Saul. And um, I believe that one of the resounding words or one of the resounding terms that comes to mind when I have the privilege to speak to people in church and outside of church, the word that comes to mind is the word frustrated. People are generally frustrated. Am I right? Like, more than ever, I believe that frustration has become like a moral epidemic where people are generally frustrated with their lives. And if we were to be honest with ourselves here sitting in this sacred space, most of us 
sing happy songs. We clap our hands to happy songs. We praise a joyous God, but we're not living happy lives. If we were to be honest with our walk, everyone in this room, in some area in your life, you're dealing with frustration. Am I alone here? Everyone sitting in this space, in one way or another, an area of your life, we are all undoubtedly dealing with frustration. And there's one segment of the population that is dealing with frustration in life, meaning they are frustrated with someone or frustrated with something. And then there's another segment of the population that's not frustrated uh, in life, they are frustrated with life. And it seems like when we audit our lives and examine our lives, we're not operating in the joy and the fullness that God has for us because we're dealing with frustration. And as I was thinking about the root of frustration, the root of frustration is the is unmet expectations. See, when our expectations are not met, we get, am I right? Am I in the book? Yeah. When we, when we have these expectations about where should we be in our lives today, or why am I still struggling with this thing, and how come I'm not a homeowner, or how come I don't have this, and how come I am still single, and how come I, I don't have a father for my children, and how come I don't have kids, that's, that's all a result of unmet expectations. And I believe that some of us are frustrated in our Christian walk because we have incorrect expectations about God. See, this, and this message is confrontational because this attacks the myth that God exists to please us. See, when you are walking under the belief that God exists to please you, that's not theologically correct because we would be using him and not him using See, what happens is that we live this, and, and, and I believe that many of, of us uh, preachers have done a disservice to the body, making people believe that God is a genie in a bottle, that you're going to rub it, and it's going to be done. People are going to die. You're going to get sick and not get healed. You're going to lose your job, and your breakthrough is not around the corner. You're going to get sick. See, the difference is how do we respond when things happen? The only thing that's predictable in this world is the unpredictable. And if there's one guarantee I can make from this platform is that life is not going to go the way you thought it was going to go. Am I preaching to someone today? See, and then we turn and we get mad at God because we have these expectations that we want met. And when those expectations are not met by God, 
we get upset with God. And I believe that one of the, one of the keys to grow in Christ is to recalibrate and realign your expectations with God. See, God is not here to serve us. We are here to serve him. And when your mindset change, changes, see, what happens is that God knows us more than we know ourselves. So those, there's things that he doesn't give us, not out of restriction, but out of protection. See, there's, I, I, I said to the church this morning, I am grateful today for some prayers God did not answer. <laughs> the lady said amen. <laughs> Is there anyone in this room that's grateful for some prayers that God said no? <laughs> that you were walking in and said, yeah, whatever you said, Pastor, yeah. <laughs> See, because we believe that we can do better with God do better than God managing our own lives. So we feel we get to tell God what we need. And, and, what I, and the maker is telling us, I made you. I know what you need. And I believe that so many of us walk frustrated because we have the wrong expectations on God. Like we believe God is here to serve us. Like literally, like, like on speed dial, God, I, and God is like, no, honey, it don't work that way because you will be using me. And the point is for me to use you. Am I in the book? And, and I believe that what God wants to do for you to live a, a life that's fulfilling in Christ is recalibrate the temptation. That's why relationships are so hard. Relationships are so hard, especially uh, 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 marriage is so hard because we have expectations that are not spoken. And how can I meet something that I don't know? Come on now. How can I take you, my love, to eat when I don't know what you want to eat? Am I preaching to someone today? See? And, and, you know, I, we, look, listen, Marianne and I, we sit with couples all the time. You don't have, you have no idea how many couples are living a frustrated, intimate life just because they can't speak to each other. How do I know how I'm doing if you're not telling me what you need? Am I speaking to adults? Am I speaking to people to understand what I'm talking? So, what happens is that when we give into frustration, if you read Jesus and the practices of Jesus, I don't believe that the goal for Jesus is for us to live frustrated lives. The Bible doesn't say, come to me, all who are weary and heavy burden, and I will give you frustration. No. It says, and I will give you. See, his goal is to give you rest. But once you understand what this is all about. See, when we deal with frustration, when we deal with unmet expectations, we start to believe that God had forgotten about us. We believe, and I see this play out, and I was speaking to someone uh, with a couple last week after church. I see this play out 
more than anything through social media this, these times. I believe that social media is a powerful tool. We use it as a church. We, we spread the gospel through social media, and I believe it's a great tool to connect. But social media is harming people because you become obsessed with somebody else's life that you forget about your own life. And people become so obsessed with God blessing someone else and God doing this for someone else. And that couple is so happy and they're so blessed that you forget to take care of your walk. And now you're frustrated because you believe that's true. And I say this to people all the time. You see that beautiful? What you don't know is they were talking about divorce five minutes before that picture. Like, Marion knows if we take a picture of our kids, what you don't know is about to put them up for adoption five minutes before I took that picture. See, we have become infatuated with someone else's highlight reel, and we're not seeing their behind the scenes, and we believe that's true. Now you're frustrated with what God is doing in you because you believe it's not too much. Mm. And this, this is perfectly played out with the people of Israel. See, the people of Israel, they, they're like some people I know from another church. Not anyone here. They ask the Lord. The Lord delivers them. The Lord puts them in high places. They think they're the stuff. God takes his hand. They fall. They ask God for help. God comes deliver them. High places, they forget about God. They fall. God delivers them, puts that sounds familiar. If there's that person is in this room, don't look at them. God puts them in high places because they were obsessed with what other people were doing. So what happens is that they were led by men, like God will provide for them in miraculous ways. But they were looking to the left and to the right, they were like, Oh, we want judges. And the Lord like, I'm the God of Israel. No, we want judges. Oh, but not judges like you know judges here in America. Judges were like kings. Samuel was a judge. And they were like, we want judges. And you know what the Lord does? The Lord does what he does to many of us. He teaches us through experience what he would, would want to teach through instruction. See, God's preferred method of teaching you is really not you know, a lot of people know, I got to live, I got to go through that. That's not the Lord's way. The Lord wants to teach you. That's why there's a manual so you don't have to go through it. It's not experience what the Lord prefers. It's instruction. So the Lord was like, okay, that's what you want? Go on, Metelo. This is what you want? There you go. Whoop, there it is. Here you go. So the people pick Saul. People pick Saul. Saul looked apart. He was handsome. He was tall. He had everything. He filled all the qualifiers. Big house, the nice drive, six-figure job. God, I want that. I want that. And I was like, let me be with you. Let, let me be your, no, Lord, but I want to be blessed like, like, Lord's like, no, no, I got you. Saul became so full of his, himself. He did a lot of things, but one of the things he did, this, this, this tripped me up. He built a statue of himself while he was living. Like, you could have put that on the wheel and say, hey, listen, when I died, I want you to build a statue. No, he wanted to 
see it every time he came out of the palace. He, I mean, that's egocentric for sure. So what happens to Saul is what happens to many of us, that when God elevates us, we forget about the provision. See, and there's people that only stay committed through crisis. See, the immature only stay committed through crisis. So God doesn't elevate you because if he elevates you, he loses you. Let me see, who gives me love? Over here, y'all give me some love here? This, this, they're, 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 their eyes are like, what you preaching? <laughs> okay. See, what happens is that if you read throughout Scripture, one of the most difficult things for people to deal with is with success. Look at all the men of God. It is difficult for people to deal with success because people don't know how to evolve on their reliance on God. Let me explain myself. Maybe you don't need to rely on God for money in this season of your life, but you need to rely on God for peace to manage that money. See, we don't know how to rely on him differently. I was telling the crowd this morning, the same prayers I was relying on God for 10 years ago are not the same prayers I rely on God now. Like I rely on God to be a father. I didn't need that reliance. So what happens is people evolve. So if your only allegiance to God was God provide for me, once he provided, you need to evolve in your dependency. Like, I don't need to depend on God to pump gas in my car because I work for that. I need to rely on God to keep my sanity to raise my children. And what happens is that people, I'm going to say that again, we don't know how to evolve. So once that need is met, we X him out of every other area, so I don't need him anymore. So that's why people are only will follow him when they're, when they're sick. So once they're healed... You don't see them anymore, right? Why? Because their dependence was only in that area. So people need to develop. You need to develop because, like I said, if there's one thing that I can guarantee from here, I know you've experienced that in your life. Life is not going to go the way you planned it. For some of us, we can't believe that we're in this stage of our lives at this point. For some of us, like, how am I single? For some of us, how do, I mean, what's up? I don't have any kids. How come I divorced at this stage of my life? And this is what happens with Samuel. Put the verse back. Are y'all with me? Samuel was old. And Samuel, they had picked Saul, right? And Saul didn't work out. So he kept on crying and crying. And the Lord was like, Samuel, I need you to get up and move on because your best days are still ahead of you. See, I, I know this is for someone this morning. Life is not a Word document. You can't just go back and edit it. I know I speak to people all the time that are still bringing up stuff they happened to them 10 years ago, that she did this 15 years ago, and God is asking today, how long, how long are you going to stay stuck, weeping over what happened and missing out on God's best for your future? See, 
Life principle. Life principle. You can tattoo this on your forehead. Not really, but you can. Life is not about what happened or what happens to you. Life is about the story you tell yourself. I'm going to rewind that. Life is not about what happened. Life is about what you tell yourself about what happened. See, the Bible says that all things, right? Am I in the book? All things work together for my good. So either he sent it or he allowed it. Even if the enemy sent it, it still has to go through his hands to get to me because all things. And I believe that are still mourning for Saul. You can't move on on your marriage because you want to bring up that thing that you should have not sent that text and 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 listen. You're mourning over Saul. And God is like, David is waiting for you. Saul represents the people's pick. David represents God's pick. Meaning Saul represents the past, the thing you can't change. See? Oh, I feel Jesus. There's so many things that so many of us carry today about something that you can't do nothing about. If you could do something about it, you will. Like I said, life is not a word document. You can't, you can't send that baby back. You can't get that divorce back. But what the Lord is saying, stop mourning over Saul. And see, pouting and tantrums may work with your spouse. <laughs> it may work at your workplace, but it doesn't work with God. God is asking him by the question, I already know he's not going to remove it. He says, he's telling him, I'm not moving this. I just need to know. Yeah, you and me right here. (laughs) I just need to know how long are you going to stay crying about this? I'm asking for a friend, God is saying. It's not even me. I'm asking for a friend. How long will you mourn? How long? And it's okay to mourn. We've all made bad decisions. Somebody, please raise your hand. Okay. All right. We've all made decisions. We've all, everyone has lost someone. Everyone had to bury someone they think they, they thought that should have not buried. Someone walked away that you thought that was not going to walk away. Someone broke your trust. Someone How long? How long? How long will you sabotage what I want to do in your life? He says, fill your horn with oil. Oil represents the anointing. That's why Jesus, uh, just, just in case you didn't know, Christ is not Jesus' second, second name. Okay? A lot of people is like, Jesus, Christ is not his last name. Christ means the anointed one. Amen? So Jesus, the anointed one. Anointing comes from oil. What the Lord is saying is fill your horn with oil. Horn represents your soul. Fill your your, your soul with oil and be on your way. In other words, 
Say it again. Get up. I am sending you to Jesse of Bethlehem. Are y'all still with me? See, we need to learn how to manage the things we don't see coming. Our Christian walk will be different if we were always ready for the unexpected. This is one of the things I tell Marianne as we raise our kids. Our kids know the answer before the question is asked. If you need to figure out the answer while the question is being asked, you're going to mess it up. We instill and sow so much in our children that I don't need to question myself what's going to be their response because they know the answer. And I think that many of us, when, when the trial comes, because the trial is going to come. Yeah. This life is hard, people. Yeah. Am I alone? No. This life is hard. There's going to be people. There's going to be people that are going to double cross. They're going to backstab you. You're going to lose your job. What's the story that you're telling yourself? Like in Spanish, Adios amigo. Oh, God is mad at me. Are you going to let the devil continue to tell you, hey, listen, God doesn't love you. This can't be redeemed. This marriage is done. Your children are not changed. What is the story that you're telling yourself? Are you telling yourself nothing's going to change or you're telling yourself all things? All things. Even the things I don't understand, all things work together for me because I love him and I am called according to his purpose. And I believe that with this story, Samuel is here to aid us, to assist us, ladies and gentlemen, because he's in the season of his life that he can't believe he's dealing with this at this stage. See, we will never figure out what God has for us if we're constantly obsessed with what God is doing with someone else. And you see, some of the prayers that God didn't answer is truly for protection. It's really not God trying to restrict you. Restrict you. He's trying to protect you. See, I know that hindsight is twenty twenty, right? Now when we look back, you know, that's like playing the result. That's like looking at the basketball series and saying, oh, I knew that they were going to win. Of course, like after the fact, everyone can be, can predict. But I know that if you look back now, you are grateful for some of those things that you cried to the Lord for. And the Lord was like, nope, I'm not going to do it. And you're like, Lord, but I'm just going to say, this is the love of my life. And I want to marry her, marry him, Lord. I can't live without him, without her. And the Lord was like, nope, I am protecting you because David is waiting for you. And I'm going to give you three things to get out of here really quickly. Three things that, three reasons why you need to move on from the life you thought you wanted. And number one, you need to move on because you can dip into depression. And I just want to make a point clear here. I'm not talking about chemical imbalance. I'm not talking about people that are medically depressed. I'm not talking about that. I have no expertise in that area, but the Lord raises up men and women, Christian psychologists that can deal with that. No, no, no. I'm talking about depression that comes as a result of traumatic events in your life. 
that you're looking back and you still can't get over it. And every time you think about it, you get depressed. That is not of the Lord's. The Bible says that all things are made new for those that are in Christ. It said that he has not given us. He has not given us a spirit of fear, but with a sound mind. So if your mind is not sound due to uh, something that you still can't get over, Saul, if Saul is still attacking you, Holy Spirit wants to make you free. We can dip into depression. And it's not because people are weak. It's not because people don't feel God loves them. It just feel that people, people feel that they're missing out. People feel that the Lord's plan is not better than their own. And I've been there, done that a hundred times. Like, Lord, here it is. Just stamp it with your approval. No, no, you don't need to make any add-ons. The plan is already made. We already know what we're going to do in one year, two years. Just stamp it. And the Lord is like, okay, he grabs it, throws it in the garbage. I heard, someone, I heard a, pre a preacher say, when you want to laugh, tell God your plans. See, the enemy knows, and he's clearly aware that the story you tell yourself is a story you start to believe. You repeat it to yourself so much that it becomes reality, and you see it in every corner. Hmm? And you can't get over it. Man, that, that's the crazy thing about it. I've been there. And you start seeing things where they're not. Your mind is traumatized, and you can't get over Saul. And every time you think about Saul, you get all, don't, some people that wake up sad for no reason. That is not of the Lord's. And you start thinking, and you start reminiscing. I speak to people that still haven't gotten over something they did in 1999. And I'm like, muchacho. Not even the Lord remembers. <laughs> No, because this happened to me, and, it, and you don't know. He says, what you don't know is you have the favor of the Lord over your life, and that's the reason why you're still standing and you're misusing that favor, thinking about Saul. There's people that have gone through the same things you're going through, and they've committed suicide. There's people that have gone through the same things that you're going through, and they're in a hospital bed or locked up. Can't you see that it's not coincidence you're still here? That's the favor of the Lord over your life. The favor of the Lord is not only for high places, but the favor of the Lord is for protection. Yeah. See, I, I talk, I, I have a WhatsApp group with some friends I grew up with, and I, we were doing some accounting on, not accounting, but we were like tallying up that we went to high school with. Majority dead or locked up. Or in a wheelchair. See, the, the grace and favor of God is not for arrogance, it's for praise. The reason I do what I do, even feeling unqualified, is because you have to give back what God has given you. See, we're misusing his grace and his favor, weeping about Saul. How long? And this applies a lot to my morning crowd. People that are still bitter about something that happened in 1975. Really? You're still mourning over something that happened 30 years ago? 
No wonder you're depressed. No wonder you're still struggling. See, in the same way we inherit uh, diabetes, <laughs> I'm not even going to get into that. Number two, ah, we got to get out of here. Y'all still with me? Y'all still with me? Number two. Number two is that we avoid, you have it there, total engagement. Is it? Yeah. We avoid total engagement. See, when you feel that your best has been taken away from you, you never give your all to the next because part of you stayed back there. See, you don't do anything wholeheartedly because part of your heart stayed there. Hmm, I know I'm talking to someone today. You don't serve wholeheartedly because I was, I was hurt back here, so part of me stayed back here hurt, so I can't, hurt com I can't serve completely here because I'm still hurt from that. You enter into a new relationship and you can't give your all. You're afraid to give your all because you part of your heart, part of your healing, your, uh, or your emotions, they stay back here. So we avoid total engagement. So you avoid opening up to people because the last time I opened up with someone, they went and spilled my business to someone else. You avoid giving your all to something because you're afraid because the last time you gave your all, you were double-crossed. Am I speaking to someone in this room? So we avoid total engagement. And with God, is all or nothing. And we don't go after things wholeheartedly. We can't because part of our heart is back there that we haven't healed. Part of our emotions and our feelings are still unhealed. And they're still back here. And we're still mourning over what that person gives you. So, Melissa, you want to come and be my friend? I got to push back because I don't know what your intentions are because I'm still hurt. And give myself to you completely. That's why Marianne preached about this during the marriage service. A lot of marital, marital problems are singlehood problems. Things that didn't get healed where you were single, and you carried it to your marriage, so now your spouse is having to deal with that. We got to move on from Saul. The more I preach it, the more I want it, the more I live it for myself, the more I want it. Because this is a personal testimony of my life. You avoid total engagement. You avoid giving your all because the last time it was, it was rough. You've been disappointed. You've been hurt. You survived stuff. But your heart took a toll. You went through it. You're still standing, but you're wounded. So you can't give your all because it's like only 70% of you is living. 30% of you is still back there mourning Saul. Hmm. See, I came to tell someone this morning, mistakes aren't sovereign. God is sovereign. Whatever mistakes you made in your past, there is nothing, like Natalie Grant says, there's nothing too dirty that you can't make worthy. Amen. There is nothing that not redeem. Stop beating yourself up for bad decisions. Stop 
hurting yourself, trying to think, oh, my God, I could have done this better. I should have done this. Stop doing that. He's saying, how long? Extend grace. Some of us in this room need to forgive. Some of us need to release some people. You've held these people captive. They're not even thinking about you. And here you are, getting old, getting sick, getting nervous, having anxiety. And the Lord is saying, how long? How long? I'm not taking it away, so I need you to let me know how long. Are you going to mourn over Saul? Genesis chapter 41, verses 50 and 51, and I'm almost done. This is about Joseph. Before the years of the famine came, two sons were born to Joseph. One uh, by Asenath, daughter of Potiphar, priest of On. Joseph named his firstborn uh, Manasseh and said, It is because God has made me forget all my trouble and all my, fa in my, and all my father's household. Some of us need Manasseh's moments in which God makes us forget all the trouble and forget about our father's household. And number three, which is my last point, if you don't move on from the life you think you want it, you're going to forfeit your favor. See, the favor of the Lord is, like I said, it's not for arrogance. It's for grace. Because now you understand that the reason that you're still standing is because of his grace and his favor. And not, not one, like Jesus said, not one is worthy, but I still gave my life for them. Amen. When you understand that and that sinks in your heart, you live differently. You walk differently. You treat people differently. I think the question this morning is for everyone in this room. And we, we all know what I'm talking about. I don't know what Saul, or I don't know who Saul is or what Saul is in your life. Can you put the verse of Samuel back on? If you can substitute the name Samuel for your name. And said, the Lord said to William, how long? How long? How long will you mourn? Why are you crying over the thing God rejected? Some of us are trying to resurrect things that God has killed five times. Some of us are resurrecting the thing that God said, I thought you forgave this. I thought you moved on from this. Why are you rehashing this? I'm not telling you not to mourn. I just want to know how long you're going to stay there pouting. I'm not saying, he didn't, he didn't say, no, don't mourn, right? Y'all read what I'm reading? I'm in the book. He says, how long? I need you to tell me how long are you going to feel sorry for yourself? that you didn't get the opportunities that everybody got, how long 
while David is waiting for you. And David represents God's best that is ahead of you. Everyone in this room, it doesn't matter your past, to tell you in the name of Jesus today that your best days, your best days are still ahead of you. And that God is not done with your story. Your story has more chapters. And I come against anyone that comes into this chapter of your life and wants to judge you. Because sometimes we enter into the wrong chapter. And we want to judge people when we don't know the other 14 chapters that led to this. You don't know why I'm mourning. You don't know how hard it, it hurt me. You don't know what happened to me. The family of God, we got to stop looking at people that way. We don't know. We don't know what will be your reaction in their shoes. And I'll close with this. I grew up in a Christian home, and I grew up with both of my parents. I never saw my parents argue. I never saw my parents fight. I never... Saw my, my dad sleep out of my house. We always sat at the table and ate. Both of them. That's my upbringing. When I was younger and more immature, I would judge people that would mourn or be bitter about not having the same thing. And my immediate reaction, they should get over it. And then I started looking at my life. And I thought to myself, if I was as bad as I was, and I went through all the stuff that I went through, having them both in my life, having them both in my business, not in my life, in my business, can you imagine if it would have been only one of them? I, I, I spent like a year repenting. And I reached out to everyone I could have possibly reached out that I made that judgment on. Because I don't know what it is. But even in that, the question still stands. It's for all of us. How long? How long are you going to stay there stuck? Crying about what coulda, shoulda, woulda. If you're like me, Marianne knows, knows this. I'm a person that likes all the details. And even if I get all the details, it's not fulfilling. It just hurts more. So why do I need all the details? Why am I sabotaging my own health? Because I need to know, the need to know. And God is like, you're so obsessed with Saul. Move on. Move on. Move on. David is waiting. And as we close our eyes, as I prepare, I prepared a few weeks for this message, and I, I, as I prepared, I felt the heaviness in my spirit, because it's not only my testimony, but I know that so many of us in this room, so many of us that are going to listen to this message are still mourning something that God has rejected and we haven't gotten over that thing, and that thing is trampling what God wants to do. And God wants to elevate you.
but he can't elevate you with Saul. You got to move on from Saul. You got to move on from Saul. Did they hurt you? They did. They did. God is not saying it didn't happen. He's just asking you, I need a timeline. Uh, they, they spoke about you. Yes, yes, they did. So, so Jesus as well. So, so I need, uh, Jesus said to his father, not my will, Lord, but your will. If there's any other way we can do this, the Lord was like, no. I just need to know how long you're going to mourn over this cross, Jesus. 